We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it. You made it to church. And again, if we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Peter Haas. My wife and I got this whole thing started a while back ago. And a while, I don't even know how to describe it anymore. But anyway, we have fun as a church. And uh, my, my hope is that you're going to experience the joy of the Lord today. And, and one, of the, one of the great honors that I get to have as a pastor is I get, to, I get invited to speak at different pastors' conferences all over the world. And I get, to, I get the privilege of just kind of seeing what God is doing around the world and, and learning from it. And I, I want you to know substance, even as we're building our, our church here, we're always doing it with an eye for what the Lord is doing around the world, okay? So like, in fact, actually, I, I'm, I'm always telling everybody, hey, when you give here at Substance, your money is going out all over the world to launch churches. Uh, and, and of course, one of those areas where your money actually goes is uh, Africa. We get, we get to do a lot of stuff in Africa from Zambia, particularly from Zambia all the way down to the southern tip, South Africa. So a while ago, I got to be in South Africa, and I got to meet this crazy pastor who, um, you know, pastors a church very similar to Substance called The Bridge, and it's just it's such a cool church. And of course, I, I you know how like, uh, one of my love languages is sarcasm. You know what I mean? Anybody else out there where you're like, some of you are like, that's not a love language. I, I didn't know that was one. No, I, I you know, I, I met this pastor, and he, he, he kind of reminded me of my love language. Uh, his name was Pastor Trevor, and of course, this guy was just a riot. He decided to drag me on a safari, and he filled me up with sugar, and then, then baited me into petting lions, actually. And uh, I, I, so I almost died. But I didn't, and of course, he happens to be in the house. Okay, Trevor, could you come on up here real fast? Okay. So, after surviving, I mean, I mean, literally, he's telling me we're, we're driving through, there's like full-grown lions everywhere, and he goes, you know they can open up your door, right? Like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And then he shows me a video of lions opening up a car door in that same area. And I'm like, did you lock the doors? And, you know, and, he, and like we're, we're cruising through this park. And I, I, I thought for sure we were going to get a flat tire. And then I, I'm going to be out there changing a tire <laughs> looking for a... T- That was your strategy all along. That was your strategy all along. No, for for real though, uh, Trevor, like it's so fun to be on the other side of the world, literally, and and see God doing a similar thing that he's doing here. And I just, like immediately when I met you and Nikki, I just knew we're gonna be fast friends. Like this is gonna be a long friendship. And of course, guess who's bringing the word today, Substance? Would you, wherever you are at, just stand to your feet and give Pastor Trevor Coleman a substance welcome. Good morning. It is actually, 
I said good morning, but it's, it's somewhere around 8 p.m. in our part of the world, so good evening too. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be here in Minneapolis. I, this is my second time, third time uh, to your beautiful city, and uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I, Andrew's with me. He's our, our executive pastor. He's doing an amazing work in our city as well, and uh, what's amazing for us, this is what we're trying to understand is we see so many of you, even in the room today, wearing short sleeve T-shirts, and, 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 and we think it's freezing. And, and, and we were told, no, this is warming up, this is spring. And uh, you, your, your spring is colder than our winter. So it is, it is bizarre for us, but firstly, it goes without saying, Pastor Peter and, and, and Carolyn, wow, just love you guys so much. Uh, the feeling is mutual in every way. And just, just to put context, when, when Peter's talking about lions, they were about this big. So when he's telling you that he was, he was almost eaten, maybe his pinky toe, but not much else. Uh, but they're wonderful leaders. It's a great privilege. You've hosted us so beautifully. Thank you for that. Nate, lovely to be, to, to be hanging with you again. Nate, um, years ago, uh, when Peter and, and Nate were with us, prophesied over Nikki, my wife, myself, and, and our family. And, uh, you know, when you're in ministry, people feel the need to prophesy at times, and some of it's garbage, and, and, and you're gonna go, whatever. And, but, but in this particular case, and I was saying this to the team, um, the most accurate prophecy over our lives, certainly in, in the history of, of our ministry, and certainly of my life, and, and as we see what, what Nate prophesied, and what we start to see un, un, unveiling itself, and as God starts to work in us, it's beautiful to see. So you're, you're in a great house with great leaders. That's my point, and no matter where you are, come on, I think I need a hand, it's wonderful. Well, I, 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 I'm hugely passionate uh, about what the Word of God teaches each and every one of us around the world, right? It's amazing that the Word of God supersedes culture. Yeah. It supersedes nations, it supersedes gender, it supersedes uh, age, it, it, it supersedes every facet of our world. And the word of God is so powerful because it, it, when we read scripture and we re recognize that scripture says that, that, that the word of God is living and breathing, I, I think it's, it's understated a lot of the time because we can read the word of God here in Minnesota, we can read the word of God in Johannesburg or in Cape Town or in Australia uh, or in Scotland, uh, wherever it might be, we will see that the word of God does a remarkable shift in us and changes us. The challenge, though, is that you and I need to respond to the Word of God in order for the Word of God to take fullness in our world. Would, you, would that be safe to say? In other words, we can read it, but unless we lead, let the Word of God read us and respond to it, we remain pretty much the same. Uh, my story is interesting because I, I grew up in, in, a, in a Methodist home uh, with, with, a, with a Methodist mother who prayed for me. I, I hated church. I grew up as a youngster hating it. I found it notoriously boring. Uh, and once I came out, I did nat my national service, which in South Africa is military service. It was conscripted, so I spent a period of time serving my nation. And once I came out of that national service, that period of conscription, um, I, I had discovered that you know uh, life was good, alcohol was amazing, weed was even better. And uh, so I got myself into all sorts of trouble, and, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I drank heavily, I smoked weed as often as I could get it, and, uh, and, and the interesting enough, I never ever bought my own. I, I don't know how that works, but I always had it, um, and at some point, I was drinking with a friend. We were at a small uh, pub, really, 
in, in the part of our town, and uh, he, I'd known this guy many years. Uh, I'd smoked weed in his house, and we'd had a great time together. And then he did something remarkable, like really bizarre. He said to me, he said, hey, Trev, should we go to my dad's church? And I kind of thought that's a bit of a weird request. So I said to him, well, hang on a second, your dad's a pastor? He said, yes. I said, your mom too? He said, yes. I said, I've smoked weed in your house. There's got to be a very special place in hell for a person who smokes weed in a pastor's house. <laughs> and he looked at me strangely and said, just come to church. Now, I was wasted, by the way. So we, we got to church, church very vibrant like this one, and sitting in the, in the back row because I felt that that was the safest place. And, um, and I hated it. It was the people were talking back to the to the person preaching. I'm like, what kind of church is this? Where the where there's people talking in church? You're supposed to be quiet and all. Um, because I had this weird idea, right? And I, I didn't enjoy it. He said to me afterwards, "Did you enjoy church?" I said, "No." He said, "Are you coming back?" I said, "No." But next week I was back. He never came back. He has never given his life to Jesus. Doesn't serve Christ, but he brought me, and I found a room where I allowed something to change. I didn't know what it was, because at that stage, all I knew is that I wanted to go back, but I couldn't identify the reason. I couldn't put meat to it. I, I, I loved my life. I mean, I, I didn't think anything was wrong with the way I was living. Uh, I, there was no measure for me to go, well, this is better than what it was before, because it wasn't in my view. It was just a time in my life that I found myself in this room, and then, the minister was speaking, the pastor was speaking, and he said something bizarre. He said, if you would like a relationship with Jesus, just say yes and raise your hand. And I thought, no, well, I don't really wanna do that. <laughs> I'd like to know why I did, and I gave my life to Christ, and, and I thought this was the best thing ever. I'd, I'd met Jesus, it was wonderful, and, uh, and, and, and I smoked weed and loved Jesus and drank, it was wonderful. It was this wonderful culmination of confusion until... Three or four months later, Jesus arrested my heart in the service and said, Trev, you need to stop smoking weed. <laughs> you need to stop drinking. You need to get your life on track. And I said, yes. And uh, I didn't have to go to rehab of any kind, fortunately. I just stopped doing all those things and never looked back. I got all my friends together and I had this strange conversation. I got them all together and I said, lads, listen, I wanna let you know that I've accepted Jesus into my life. They all started laughing and said, that's an interesting phase. Um, and uh, so we had this conversation, it was great. I, I said to them, I'm, I'm still gonna hang with you guys, but just understand I'm not gonna drink and I'm not gonna smoke weed and I'm not gonna take drugs, is that okay? They said, sure, but it wasn't. And over time, I had to filter my friends. But, but the net result is, I said yes. I said yes to something different. And I wanted a day whether you and I could see something remarkable shift in our lives if we're just willing to say yes. yes. Willing to say yes to something that might be stretching. Yeah. Willing to say yes to something that might be extraordinarily difficult. Uh, maybe saying yes to something that would be frightening. Yeah. Maybe yes to be something that would be un understandable at this stage, maybe saying yes to something that would be a little bit fear-inducing fear in your world, maybe that will cause a little bit of discomfort, that will shake up our lives a little. What happens if we just said yes? And if we say yes, what do, what do we believe could change if we just said yes? You know, years ago, I'll give you the title of the message now, you might be thinking, this has no title, it does. Years ago, in 1954, in the 6th of May, 
a, a remarkable character, Roger Bannister, changed the world. What happened was is that he broke a world record that was deemed at that stage, many of us would know this, to be impossible, the four-minute mile. And he, under circumstances that, to be honest, were less than ideal, he'd been training for years, the, the, the day of the record-breaking attempt was pretty foul, the weather wasn't great, uh, it was wet and boggy, they, they didn't have astroturf, so the ground was really uncomfortable to run on, and uh, he and his uh, fellow athletes got around and decided, well, is this a record-breakable day? Can we do it in this particular circumstance? And they said, yes. And he initiated a feat that changed the world. I, I wonder today whether when we look back at things like that, how many miracles, how many opportunities have been shaped, how many uh, doors have been opened when someone just decided to say yes, because at that stage, physicians believed it was impossible to run a four-minute mile. But now, any professional athlete of any real stature will run under four minutes. It's just the door was opened. Maybe in your family, maybe in my family, you live in a life where you know, no one has ever been to, no, no one has ever been to school. No one's ever been to college, to university. Maybe someone has never had a healthy marriage. Maybe never one, no, no one in your family has had a, a, a marriage that's done the distance or done the whole, the whole journey. Maybe we look at our lives and go, well, I, don't have an, I have an absentee father. I never had a father in the home. And, and, and my father never had a father at a home and my grandfather never had a father in the home. And we look at all of these things and go, well, is it, is it possible that we can have a healthy marriage? Is it possible we can have a healthy family? Is it possible that I can get educated really, really well? Is it possible that I can have a different life to what I'm used to in whatever way that looks? Now, in the South African context, that's vastly different to the American context. Uh, we had a, a couple from your church with us in our church in the, over the last couple of months. One of the things they said to me this morning was, um, we really appreciate electricity. Because in our country, electricity is a, is a kind of a gamble. You either have it or you don't. We load shed regularly because our, our, our government hasn't been able to sustain the power supply. So we have three or four times in a day where the power is cut off for an hour or two or whatever it might look like, and, and that's real. And maybe we look at that and go, well, that's, that's deep, dark Africa. Well, it shouldn't be because our country is, is probably the most first world of all the nations in, in, in Africa. But nonetheless, that might be different to your situation. In our country, we have 34% official unemployment. 34%. The reality is it's probably nearer 50% to 60% when we consider all the illegal immigrants. And those people have no hope. We have the vast majority of our nation living below the breadline below minimum wage. Women in South Africa are raped every 30 seconds. A woman is raped in our nation every 30 seconds. And we can look at all of that and go, my word, is there hope? Yes, there is hope. Because it's not our reliance on the government, it's not our reliance on human effort, it's not our reliance on anything else other than the Word of God, the touch of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that can transform even the most dire circumstances, and we see it all the time. We see the great stories of lives being transformed, uh, marriages restored, people in the midst of hardship being elevated to new levels of, of, of opportunity simply because they said, yes. Say it with me, they said, yes. Yes, yes to what? No, no, wrong question. Yes to who? We say yes to the right person. Everything can change. So my message title today is The Unshakable Power of Our Yes. 
the unshakable power of our yes. When you and I say yes to the things of God, yes to the promptings of God, and yes to the invitations from God, we can see things change. I love here at Substance that in our family here at Substance, we use a phrase that is so powerful. We're always looking for the next invite, right? Well, there's the next invitation to something, something new. We're inviting each other to something new and the next step, the next moment in the journey. When we say yes to an invite, something can change. We might be sitting here today going, well, I've got friends that don't know Jesus. Should I invite them? And they've never said yes. Every time I do, they say, no, maybe we'll see. But just keep knocking on the invitation door because at some point, someone will say yes. The very person that lives next door to you may be a weed-smoking, alcohol-consuming, womanizing gentleman. Well, maybe that's not a good description, but sitting in that room. And, and you think, there's no way, there's no way that Jesus is going to do anything with that person until they say yes. What if we could change our finances if we just said yes? Well, there's a count in history. And right in the beginning of uh, our history as, as a human race, a guy called Joseph, we call him Joe. Joe's a good guy. He, not the Joseph that became the, the father of, of Jesus, but the other Joe, Joseph with the, with the, with the, the Armani jacket. He, he was, he was a, 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 a young man that grew up in a, in a big family, lots of siblings, but his dad thought he was, the, he was really the ultimate of children, so he was favored among the others. He, he got all the privileges. He, he was the one that uh, was looked after more, that got more privilege and that, that was given greater opportunity. And his brothers became jealous, obviously. But, but Joseph, to be fair, he, he was a little bit arrogant, so he would kind of flaunt it. Do you know people like that? Where they kind of flaunt what they have? Well, Joe was those kinds of guy, one of those kinds of guys. Anyway, his dad said to him, dude, listen, I need you to go and, and, and go and check up on your brothers because they're, they're kind of up the hills uh, grazing the sheep and, and you just need to go and come back and see how they're going. So he said, yes, look at this. Genesis uh, 37, 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing at the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. And when you look at those words very well, they mean very well. They mean yes. So he said yes, right? So he went, I'm gonna go out and do what my father did, asked me to do. Now, when we look at that, we can read the account. I'm not gonna go through the details for the sake of time, but when you read that account, so when you dig into it, we're gonna see that that yes did not bring a great deal of pleasure to Joseph at the end of the day. In fact, the yes caused him pain. The yes caused him hardship. And this is the problem that we live with with modern society today. We believe that if we say yes to the things of God, it's gonna be easy. You know, what if I just say yes, then, then my wife all of a sudden is gonna go, oh, you're the hottest thing I've seen all day. You're gonna go home, gentlemen, and the food's gonna be cooked, and the ironing will miraculously get done. It's just gonna be, a, your kids all of a sudden just go, dad, I, mom and dad, I just can't wait to study. Like, I just, and, and we, we really hope that everything comes right. We say yes to Jesus, and we expect that when we open up our bank account, there are millions of dollars in the bank account. Jesus, you're good. But no, when we say yes, often it's not better. Because saying yes to Jesus and the things of God is often not ultimately better for us from a comfort perspective. Often it creates more discomfort. Because what happened was is that Joseph went and listened to his father. He was obedient to the call of God on his life. He went off, connected with his brothers. His brothers decided they were gonna kill him because they were jealous of him. 
They didn't kill him in the end. They sold him into slavery. And for many years of Joseph's life, he went from prison to prison to prison to prison, from one hardship to the other, and he kept saying yes to God. And it seems like every time he said yes to the things of God, it got worse. Now, I'm glad you're excited to be here today. This is really encouraging, hey? Uh, but he kept saying yes to Jesus, and he kept saying yes to the work of God, and his life got worse until it didn't. Until when he said yes to the right circumstance, again, he remained faithful with his yes. He became one of the most powerful people the most rewarded people, the most influential people in the known world. But it all started with a yes that led him to his purpose. There's power in our yes. And even if it gets difficult after we've said yes to something, there's power in our yes. Look at this. A couple of things. If you're taking notes, hopefully this helps. Here we go. The power of our yes. It initiates hope. It initiates hope. Our yes can be a catalyst for significant change. We all know this to be true, ladies. If the man of your dreams drops to his knee and says, darling, you complete me. <laughs> what you should say is no, vomit. That, that's terrible. <laughs> it, if you're completing him, he's not the right guy. But if he says, when I look at you and I hang with you, you're the most amazing woman, you changed my life, you're awesome, I can't imagine, but to do anything less than spend the rest of my life with you, then you can just say, yes. yes. But then it changes things, right? That yes brings arguments that perhaps you never had before. It, it, it comes with underwear on the lampstand. It, it comes with toothpaste tubes not closed. It, it, it comes with, I thought... We spoke about this many times before. It, it, it comes with sitting in a car going, honey, why don't you just ask for directions? It's, it comes with all of these things that are, that are different, but better. It initiates hope. It initiates new life. Because in a healthy family, when a husband and wife come together, they replicate, they multiply and bring beautiful new life. We see all through life that, that when we're married, we're capable of doing more together than we ever were apart. But it initiates hope. When you say yes, it initiates hope. When, when Roger Bannister looked at the team and said, I think we're gonna go ahead and give this, give this a go, it initiated the hope that a record could be broken. And if we look back in history, we see that was the case. When we say yes to the things of God, it initiates hope. Look at this, it's so powerful. In, in, in Hebrews 10, verse 23, uh, reading from the Message Translation, it says this, let's keep a firm grip. That's powerful. Let's keep a firm grip on the, say it with me, on the promises. This is key. Uh, firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. When you and I say yes to the things of God, even, even though the circumstances may not be ideal at any given time, when we say yes to the things of God, when we say yes to the calls and invitations of God, we start to see the trajectory of our life shift for the better. It might not be immediate and it might not be easy, but the outcome is better. Why? Because we start stepping into the fullness of our potential. We start to live out the purpose for which God has created each and every one of us. We start to see things change. It initiates hope. But when you, when you and I say yes, it initiates commitment. When you and I say yes, it initiates commitment. Now this is key because when you and I want to see something change, we need a committed group of people around us. Imagine the four to seven closest friends around us 
working together, working with us, encouraging us and motivating us to move to the next level. If you and I say yes to the things of God, yes to the invitations for a richer, fuller, more purpose-filled life, we help each other through a commitment to each other and a commitment to something bigger than ourselves. I love the fact that you've just celebrated your heart for the house. When you and I are a part of an environment like this that is life-changing and life-giving, we have an opportunity to say yes to something that can shift not only the outcome of, of this church and this community, but change the outcome of something in our own lives. When you and I say yes to, to stepping into something new, to say, yes, I wanna contribute in some way. I wanna serve this vision in some way. I wanna say yes, it initiates a commitment of your family, of your friends, of those closest to, to us so that we can see a greater outcome achieved. We look at professional sports teams, it's a commitment to each other and a commitment to the vision and strategy that ultimately leads to a better outcome. It's nonetheless the same. Roger said yes and committed his team. When we say yes, things change. When we say yes, it increases possibilities. <laughs> it increases possibilities. This is, this is so important because many of the opportunities we miss aren't because we didn't recognize them, it's just that we said no to them. I wonder how many of us have said no to opportunities that we regret later. No to moments, holidays, maybe even opening up businesses, connecting with new people, connecting with friends, going to an exciting new venue, whatever it looks like. Have we, have we missed those things before? What does it look like when we say yes? In 1973, a gentleman by the name of Gary Kildall wrote the first popular operating system. We all know this to be true. He wrote an operating system and was approached by the organization IBM to, to write the, the operating system for, for their personal computers in those days. He rejected them and kept saying no. He kept snubbing them. He kept mucking around with them. Instead, they got frustrated and went to a, a relatively unknown little organization that hasn't done much at all, as we all know, Microsoft. And, and they spoke to a guy called Bill Gates who was willing to write that operating system. And we start to see that now Bill Gates became a massive influencer in society today amongst the wealthiest men in the world. Why? Because he said, yes. It increases possibilities. When there's a mission trip somewhere and we're a little bit nervous about whether we can afford it or we're a little bit nervous about whether we have the time or we have a little bit uncertain about what the outcome would look like, just say, just say yes. When you're not sure he's the perfect guy and he asks you on a date, just say yes. What's the worst that could happen? You have to get a friend to call you while you're at the date so you can run for the wind. It's okay. <laughs> Just say yes. When the, the church here asks you, invites you, and Nate and the team say, hey, listen, you need to get involved somewhere. You need to be volunteering somewhere. Just say yeah. yes. And Pastor Peter says, we've got a great vision and we need to contribute, it, contribute it to it financially. Just say yeah. yes. When a dodgy South African minister stands on the platform and says, you should come and visit Johannesburg. Just say Yes, like Peter and Nate did when I said, would you like to pet a lion? They said, yes. It opens up possibilities. They said, yes, he's talking nonsense. The other thing that saying yes does is it affirms God's promises. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 depicts the idea that when you and I say yes to something, we're cementing the value of God's word. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all, all, not some, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding, with a resounding, 
yes. And through Christ, our, our, our amen, which means yes, ascends to the God, ascends to God for his glory. When we say yes, something shifts. When we say yes, we affirm God's word. You see, when you and I say yes to tithing, for example, we say yes to trusting God for his provision and his supply. When we say yes to serving, we say yes to God's drive within us to help us reach our fullest potential and to live out a fulfilled life. When we say yes, it stimulates the way of thinking, operating, functioning better within the kingdom of God. Because you see, when we look at God's words, we often look at them as rules and regulations. Can I shift that for a second and suggest, maybe for a second, that they're not rules and regulations, but rather precepts. Let me give you an example. If you and I jumped into an airplane and the pilot of the airplane said, this is a skydiving airplane. And uh, you know you can, if you want to, wear a parachute. You don't have to, but you should. It's kind of like the best alternative here. So when you jump out, because we don't land with anyone in the plane, I'm the pilot, I land the plane, everyone else must be out. Uh, the reality is we have a set of choices. It's not a rule, it's not an instruction, it's not a command to wear the parachute. It's an invitation, it's a precept. You'll be better off with the parachute. Because if you jump out, you can jump out without a parachute, and you know what, God's gonna forgive you. You can say, Lord, I shouldn't have made that mistake, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have made that decision. I'm so sorry I jumped out of the airplane without a parachute, and God's gonna say, absolutely no problem at all, I love you, I forgive you, I'll see you soon. Because it's a precept, not a rule. So when we read the word of God and we start to interpret the word of God through the eyes of precept, in other words, an invitation to something better, then we will live differently. So when God gives us instructions around anything or a precept around anything, it's not a rule, it's, a, it's an invitation to a better something. The, God's... Precepts for relationships help us to have healthier, more effective, stronger, more fulfilling relationships. Same with finances, same with serving, same with integrity, same with character, same with hope, same with anything that we put together. The invitation is actually a precept for something better. We can still say no, but there's a consequence to the no. So when we say yes, we're affirming God's promises. We're putting them in a place. We're saying, yes, Jesus, I fully understand and I accept all that you have for me. We're accepting his affirmation. So what does that look like? Maybe we can finish off with four quick things that we should say yes to. Would that be helpful today? What, we should, what, what, should, what should we say yes to? Number one, say yes to putting God first. Now, this is huge, because I don't know about, about America, but South Africans are notoriously not good at this. We much prefer putting ourselves first. We like the idea of putting God's first until God wants us to do something we don't like. Then it's like, nah, perhaps not. So ultimately, we kind of customize our Christianity, so to speak. Do you know what customized Christianity is? It's kind of like when you buy a car and you, and you do it up and you make a change. I don't know what you call that here. In South Africa, we call souping it up. We take our car and we do something new to it. Um, but, but what we do with our, with our faith, we go, oh, let me have a look at all of God's precepts. Let's have a look at all these invitations. Well, I like this one. Because if, if I do this, God says he's gonna bless me. Well, I don't like this one. Let's take that one out. We'll just modify that. We'll tune this out of our relationship with Jesus. And we choose to, to customize our faith so that we can live one way, but 
claim that we're actually doing it all okay. Like, the idea, right? I like to follow Jesus. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I think it's pretty cool, uh, but we live in a way that is completely different. That was my first step of the journey. I, I like the idea of telling people, hey, listen, I've got a relationship with Jesus, but I smoke weed. And I got drunk. And I behaved badly. And it was awesome because I thought, this is amazing. I can love Jesus and be an idiot all at the same time. And Jesus helped me to stop all of those things, but I'm still an idiot, so it's all good. But you see, when we, you and I realize that the precepts of God are different because they're invitations to something better, this statement that Jesus himself spoke will change everything. Look at this, Matthew 6, 33. You ready? This is amazing. In fact, I would say this is the most important thing that you and I can do in our walk, with, walk through life. Here it is. Seek. Look at this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And here's the promise. He will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And that literally means above all else. Above everything. No matter what the media portrays, no matter what the press puts out, no matter what social media is spitting out, at the end of the day, what remains is the idea that we need to put the kingdom of God above all else. You see, the, the reward for putting the kingdom of God above all else is that he'll give us everything you need. He didn't promise comfort. He didn't promise ease. But he did promise the meaning of our needs. And that changes everything, doesn't it? If we say yes to putting God first, our needs are met. What does that look like? It's relational needs, emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs, friendship needs, wisdom. All of those things start to come into our life. Why? Because when we say yes to the things of God, we become to do one thing very, very well. We model Jesus and teach others to do the same. We model Jesus and teach others to do the same. Perhaps that's one of the most important things that we can do as followers of Christ, is to be modelers of Christ and teach others to do the same. Let's not forget this. There'll be people in your life and the people in my life who have never heard of or seen or witnessed or experienced the love of Jesus. And the only person they may ever encounter is you. So when we model Jesus and teach others to, this, to, do, to do the same, we're helping others to have this insatiable desire to draw closer to him. Say yes. Say yes to putting Jesus first. Number two, say yes to servant-heartedness. Just serve, where, anywhere. How often? As much as you can. But I'm busy, yeah, say yes. I don't have a lot of time, say yes. I don't have a lot of money, say yes. Because servant-heartedness changes everything. When you, uh, we, we don't get snow much in South Africa. I mean, it, it's like snow's like a real treat for us. When it snows, it's kind of like, and it's over. Um, I, I, I'm horrified that you'll have three, four, five, six feet of snow. I, I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> so this is going to be the most hypocritical suggestion ever, but work with me. When you wake up in the morning and your driveway snowed in, Dig the neighbors out first. How do you get there? I have no idea. That's not, that's not a solution I understand. 
It's that servant-heartedness. It's, it's that I want to put someone else above me. Is that okay? It's that idea that you need, a, you need to do something. And what's beautiful about Substance Church and our family here is that we offer an opportunity for each and every one of us to get involved, to be part of the team that changes everything. So just say, look at the person next to you and say, say, say to them, just say yes. Look at the person on the other side and say, you're meaningless to me. I'm not going to say anything at all. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Albert Einstein, the great scientist, said a person starts to live when he can live outside of himself. Just say yes. 1 Peter 4 verse 10, this is uh, Peter Haas writing. He says this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. We need to serve. Last two, here we go, almost done. Say yes to generosity. This is always a contentious subject because when we talk about generosity, our minds typically go to finances. But uh, of course, it includes finances. But can I encourage us to look beyond finances for a moment? Generosity is a way of living. It's not an event. It's not a moment. It's a lifestyle. So when we look at the idea of generosity, it's more of the, the idea that you and I should look constantly at doing something for someone else. Be free with what we have. So if we've got a smile... Be generous with it, even if there's a few teeth missing. Be, be generous with your smile. Be generous with your high fives. Be generous with your, with your greeting, with your encouragement. Be generous with your attitude. Be generous with your hope. Be generous with your enthusiasm. Nothing is more irritating than apathy. How are you? No, how are you? I am so bad, it's ridiculous. At least be enthusiastic about it. Be, be enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic about your energy. When we walk somewhere, do we kind of drag our feet or do we walk? Do you have like an energy? Like, like being around Peter is always like he's, he's got more energy. Did you know, this is just a sidebar. We speak, one of our languages in South Africa, we have 11 official languages. Um, Complicated story, another day. Uh, we have 11 official languages, but one of them is Afrikaans. And Afrikaans is, is derived many years back from, from Dutch, so it's a kind of like a Dutch derivative, but Afrikaans. Now, this is what's so amazing. The word Haas, H-A-A-S, in Afrikaans means rabbit. Put that together. Isn't that cool? So my daughter, when my daughter was, I think she was about nine when she met Pastor Peter first. And she, asked, she said, who's coming, who's coming to preach? I said, ah, oh, it's Pastor Peter Haas. She goes, Because <laughs> she goes, we've got Peter Rabbit coming to preach in our church. But be enthusiastic about everything. Have fun. But can I just add this? Be generous with your finances too. Heart of the house, what a great opportunity to sow into something far greater than ourselves. Acts 20 verse 35, I remembered the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Here's the, here's the kicker. Never forget this. We become more like Jesus the more generous we are. And that's not financially alone. It's every element of our lives. We become more like Jesus the more generous we are. Lastly, say yes to forgiving others. We live in a society where we hurt each other. Hurt people hurt people. It's gonna happen. 
There's no doubt that if you're part of Substance Church, you're gonna be offended by someone. Why? Because there are people in it. Did you know that Substance Church was perfect until you rocked up? And Substance Church was perfect till I rocked up. Substance Church was perfect until any human being walked in because we're imperfect and that's okay. But learn to forgive. Say yes to forgiving someone. You see, forgiveness, it has nothing to do with the person being forgiven and everything to do with the person forgiving. I don't benefit if you forgive me or not, but you benefit if you forgive me. And the greatest example of that is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Think about Jesus for a moment. <laughs> I, 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 never, I can never get my mind around this, and, and, and obviously I speak about this a great deal, but think about this for a moment. Jesus created, as part of the, the work of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus is God with skin on, the Son of God. Jesus was part of the creation story the account of creating humanity. And imagine the joy he had when his father said to him, you're gonna be a part of the human story. You're gonna become human with them. And he would have known the ultimate end, but the joy and the excitement of being part of the very creation he created must have been overwhelming. He became a part of the, the, the human species. Served, loved, cared for, nurtured, healed, he even raised people from the dead, genuine story. If you don't know those accounts, read them, they are amazing. He accepted people who were rejected. He spoke to people who were the outcasts. He loved those who were unlovable. He gave of himself in every way and towards the, the end of his days, he was 33 years old, young man. The very creation he created beat him, humiliated him, rejected him, and nailed him to a cross on which he died. And just before he died, he uttered these words, it is finished, but what he was implying in those words was that I forgive the very people I came to love, the very people I came to care for, the very people I came to, to nurture, raise, restore, and elevate, those very people are hurting me and killing me right now, but you know what? I forgive them. And if we are gonna be followers of Christ and Jesus said yes to forgiveness, what better opportunity for you and me to say yes to, to those that have hurt us and caused pain for us? You see, Jesus died and then he was buried. Three days later, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raised him to life as he promised yet another promise that he fulfilled. And that's why when Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, he's saying, I, I, I wanna encourage you to become a friend of mine. This is not a rule. It's an invitation. I wanna invite you to have a richer, fuller, more purposeful life. I wanna invite you to be a part of who I am and, and, and experience a friendship that is intimate and meaningful. That's why Jesus said, he who believes has everlasting life. It's not about jumping through hoops and getting it all right. It's simply about recognizing the needs for Jesus. So what if we today, if you haven't done so at some point in your life, wouldn't it be amazing if you just said, yes. Wouldn't it be amazing? What could change if we just said, yes. So I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads wherever you're watching from, in the other campuses and around this room. 
Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock, and he who hears and opens the door and invites me in, I'll dine with him and he with me. Just say yes to opening the door of your heart. So there are two groups of people. Maybe you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never invited him into your life before. You've never said yes to him. I'm gonna encourage you in just a moment to respond to Jesus. And there's another group of people. Maybe you once have, but life has happened. You've drifted in some way away from him. You once served him, you once loved him, but you're not there now. But you'd like to restore that friendship. For those two groups of people, if you'd like to see Jesus a part of your life again, and you'd like to have an intimate friendship with him, on the count of three, please will you just shoot your hand up. I'm not gonna ask you to come up, stand, 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 stand to the front, anything like that. I'm just wanting the privilege of seeing who I'm praying for so that I can commit you to the person of Jesus. Would you do that? Just say yes if you want Jesus in your life. One, two, three, quickly shoot your hands up. All across the room, wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful. Father, we thank you for each of those people who raised their hands today. I pray that you'll meet with them right where they are. Touch them, reach them, transform them and let them sense your presence in all its fullness. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving, and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check in next week for a new message. 